first-generation kids know just how much our communities shape the people we become. I'm Helena Rampersad. Welcome to There's Always a First, a podcast about first-generation Americans who are using their voices and talents to push the boundaries of culture. In this week's episode, I speak to Karen Wang. Karen shares her experience growing up as the child of Chinese immigrants in New York City. She also shares how culture has influenced Wang NYC, her online business selling versatile accessories. Karen also explains the importance of shopping local and how her public policy education has shaped her view of community support. Thank you for joining me. Of course. So you have this really cool business, Wang NYC. What inspired you to start it? I would say my first push towards inspiration is having a lot of time which COVID has obviously provided for a lot of us. And then something else was I was seeing a need for businesses to have more money coming in, especially in New York City. I saw that like a lot of businesses were struggling. So I was like, what's a way that I can create a small business for me to like have a passion and for me to have additional sorts of income while also providing that for businesses within my local community. So I came up with the idea to source my products from different warehouses in New York City to keep it domestic. And something else that like also inspired me was seeing that a major talking point for the Black Lives Matter movement was finding ways to keep money within a community for them specifically, like within the Black community and for me specifically within the New York City community. Also, I try to carry as products that are like as versatile as possible. So I have, I also try to like keep the products as affordable as possible. So I read online that your pieces are all named after women like in your life or inspirational women. Mm -hmm. So tell me more about that. Yeah. So when I was naming the pieces, I was like, oh, like, what should I name them? And came to me like pretty naturally actually like I saw a bag and I was like oh my god like my friend Laina would totally use this bag and it just reminded me of her you know like when I look at the bag I think about like the feelings that it brings me I'm like this is so classy you know that's such a that's a dope idea to just name after like somebody I actually know to like give the product like some sort of life beyond you know like just being something like now it also represents a person and like the way that they carry themselves and hopefully like you know this product will help like a a consumer also feel that way has this business been something you've always seen yourself doing I did not see myself you know taking products from wholesale and then branding it and reselling it I would say I always saw myself like having a business of some sort I just didn't know what it was How has your Chinese heritage impacted your career choices or your creative choices? Yeah, um, I think the most direct way is that I know how to source products from China. Even though like I don't do that in my business personally, I think that's a really huge key in determining what's trending and what like a lot of consumers are looking for. Because when you look at the stuff that supply a lot of suppliers are now making in China you know I'm able to like read and write in Chinese so like that has also given me like a hand in understanding like how much these products are worth 
in a production sense and then also like how much they're worth in like after marketing after branding so I think like that part of my culture has given me more business savvy skills and then I would say um when it comes to like entrepreneurship you know a lot of like I'm Fujinese Chinese so a lot of Fujinese people are business owners and they love like I've been given like so many more opportunities and resources to education in the U.S. being able to take that and also bridge it with like what I've seen growing up around me I think like that part of my culture has definitely given me like the upper hand I also have like the ability to market to a different audience I think that's great there have been ways has your culture been a downside in any times like has it made things more difficult for you when I first told my parents about like this business idea that I had they were definitely hesitant because they think that having your own business is not a route that like they've sacrificed so much for you to do in America like they want you to have like a nine to five and they want you to you know be something prestigious and like you know the all the stereotypes that you hear like the lawyer the doctor like they want you to do something in those fields that guarantee like stability and like the financial benefits as well it was definitely weird for them to see me doing something that is more along the lines of what they've done while I'm like holding a college degree and I feel like I want to do it all because because like I've I've had these opportunities so I'm like you know might as well take advantage of them to the fullest so I think there was definitely some friction there I told them that like eventually I want to open up a restaurant and they're just like why like why'd you go to college you're just gonna do what we did I was trying to explain to them that like I really feel like I can take what they've done and like use it as the core but then I can bring it to like the next level like bring it into the future but um they're still like very supportive so tell me more about this restaurant that you would like Mm -hmm. to open I really, really would like to open a cafe and I'm really passionate about like interior design. So definitely like somewhere that is very aesthetically pleasing and like, uh, but I would love to serve Fujinese food because I think it's like such an underrated part of like Chinese culture. The food is so good and I'm not just saying that because I'm Fujinese. People don't know about it because it's such a small like subculture of Chinese culture. So I think that's something that, like, I would love to, like, be able to share with the world and share with other cultures and have it be a business that is forward-facing, you know, with the marketing and Instagram and Yelp, you know. I think that's a lot of things that a lot of small Chinese immigrant businesses don't have, you know. They don't really know how to do that stuff because they don't have the resources. But, you know, like, for me, the privilege and, like, the opportunities merge those two like cultures so i have to ask because you said the chinese fujinese culture is a subculture what do you think (laughs) is the basic representation of what a chinese american is right now in america and do you think it's authentic i think that there are so many subcultures within the chinese culture in itself like think about it it's like Think about the population of China in general, you know, like, and there, it's huge. There are so many different subcultures. So I think, you know, what people don't realize is that in New York in itself, there are like 
30 different Chinese subcultures and they're all represented under like just being Chinese American and all those cultures are different within itself so I do think that there is an overgeneralization and I think this is a common problem in America that people don't realize that cultures are different you know as sad as it is even like within COVID you know like there's been like straight up like hate crimes and discrimination against not just Chinese people just like all Asians and people assume that like all Asians are Chinese food is always a good way to bring people together like when something tastes good it's a way to make people happy so I'm hoping that's why like I'm very eager to like share my culture and I'm like very open to sharing it because I do think that like a lot of it comes from like ignorance and people just not knowing what like a certain culture is like I think a really big problem we have is like not letting people who are like from a certain background and identity like speak on their own experiences like I see so many people like speaking on behalf of somebody else that's why I think it's really important to like amplify people's like voices and like the experiences that they're telling you because it's firsthand they know what they're talking about do you feel that you are seeing first generation Asian female business owners I'll only speak on like Chinese Americans I do not see a lot of first-generation Chinese-American women being business owners. I see them going into a field that, like, they've grown up being pushed into. Like, I've seen them, you know, at Goldman Sachs. I've seen them become doctors, become lawyers. I don't really see a lot of, you know, the same, like, risk-taking that, like, we've seen, like, our immigrant parents do. I think it's kind of weird to do like the same thing that your parents have done when like a different in a different light you know and like you said your parents are also kind of like like this is weird like (laughs) this is not what we were expecting yeah my dad was like this is weird why do you want to do this and I'm just like it's such a good way to like you know put money back into our communities I see a lot of like gentrified small businesses in immigrant communities I see a white woman own an art gallery in like predominantly Chinese community. That's still considered as a small business, but that's not really serving the community. When like you have an art gallery and you're only inviting white guests, how people are always like, oh, like make sure you shop local. But like, what does local really mean? So I'm going to ask you that question. Like, what does local (laughs) really mean? I think local means you're authentically part of the community recently I've seen people use the marketing of like being a small business to you know gain traction but like in reality they're you know in like a neighborhood they have no business being in and they are not serving the neighborhood in any way but they're still asking people in the neighborhood to shop local that should do not sit right with me what is going on So I think, like, some people have definitely taken advantage of what, like, we've said to, like, put money back into the local community. But what they're really doing is, like, taking money out of the community and putting it into their pockets. And really often, like, where their little shop is is not where they live, you know? Like, they could have a shop in the Lower East Side, but they actually live in the Upper East Side. So how is that keeping things local, you know? Like, how is that putting money back into the community? Let's say that uh, there is somebody who is Chinese-American or first generation to any culture, wants to do something similar to what you're doing. 
but have not had the model familial pressures you know immigrant pressures put on them how should somebody navigate that i think that something that's really really beneficial is reaching out to like your own network and seeing and having like role models that have like done what you want to do I think the internet is always your best friend because if you want to do something there's a tutorial for that (laughs) a lot of what I've done is when it comes to like setting up the logistics for my shop like I've learned on YouTube and a lot of the marketing tactics I've also like watch videos and like read books about so you know there are resources out there and you do have to go look for them but they're not hard to find once you start looking and also you know like just talking to people who have started their own business that's also like a really good hand I'm always like open to talking to anyone and like sharing my whatever like I know like I'm really big on like passing on knowledge so and I know like a lot of people more so than not are like willing to share so that's definitely like a big source it's really hard when it comes to family because everyone has a different culture so it's not like you just have to have hard conversations with them and like hope that they hear you out and hope that like there's a compromise to be made it really is hard something that definitely poses a challenge is me having more of like an American culture and then them like having their own Chinese culture, which is like all they've ever known. There's a lot of things to like for me to like understand about them too. And like that they moved to a whole new their daughter has like a whole new culture that like she grew up in and it's not the same from the one that they've grown up in. What did you wanna be when you were small? Mm-hmm. When you were small, what did you want to be when you grew up? I really love creating things. So, like, my business is my way of, like, being able to create experiences for others through, like, you know, selling them a product and, like, have them having that product. What I was saying before with um, naming them after my girlfriends, because, like, I feel like, you know, they're embodying, like, this classiness and this, like, fun energy. Like, I hope my products, like, bring that to the people who buy them. So that was kind of like my way of like creating those positive, creating those positive experiences for them. So I would say that's kind of like what I saw myself doing, just creating different things and creating different experiences and just being a creator. So when I was younger, that's, I never knew what I wanted to do, but I just knew that that was what I loved. And then now that I'm older, like I understand that. I need to be in a job that like is creating something that is a positive contribution to the world, whether that be like an experience or like, you know, a law. Cause I, I studied public policy and like really wanted to be in public service. So now that I'm older, I understand that like, I want to go back to public service and like the creation of programs that like alleviate so many of the problems that we have. I love that you said you want to create experiences for people through your business. Do you think that this is something that's just very special to you? Or do you think that there are businesses out there that are very intentional, you know, the relationship they have with their consumers? Mm -hmm. And is there a way to know that as a consumer? Like, is there a way to know who's intentional and who just wants to make money? Cha-cha matcha? Matcha cha-cha? Cha-cha matcha. Cha-cha matcha. Yeah. <laughs> it's like owned, owned by like white people. Like 
you know, the intentions are clearly not right when, like, you've taken a Japanese drink and and made it into a cafe. There is definitely a culture disruption there, and it really, like, makes people wonder, like, why is a white person owning a Japanese staple? So I think, like, things like that is definitely something that is, like, a red flag. What if somebody listening is belonging to one particular culture, whether they're a white person or they're somebody of a specific ethnicity or whatever, and they really love this product or this beverage or something about another culture and they want to make a business out of it? What's wrong with that? Is there something wrong with that? I feel like if you're going to sell something to a certain community, you need to make sure that that community is represented in your brand. All the times I've passed, you know, I'm like completely shitting on Chacha Macha right now. <laughs> <laughs> all, all the times I've passed them, I have not seen nobody Japanese work there. So, you know, not just white people do this, like Chinese people do it, Black people do it, everybody does it. It would be better to make sure that at least the person who like at least it's represented like at least people are being represented in leadership which is something like I don't see a lot of it's a very difficult conversation to navigate especially because you know like one person cannot speak on behalf of like an entire ethnicity and race right so I think that's where like a lot of the tension comes in especially with like um cultural appropriation and fashion you know like I've seen like some Chinese people will be like, I don't care about chopsticks and hair. And then I've seen some people like so upset over it. I, I always think that it's better to just be sensitive. So have you ever felt that you had to be the one woman or the one Chinese American or the one Chinese American woman speaking for this community just because the platform you're in or the space that you're in does not have that representation? This sounds very, like, public policy of me, but, um, you know, we have community organizers for a reason, and we have activists for a reason. Um, I, I would, like, much prefer to amplify people's voices and, like, you know, like, say, like, what I've heard instead of, like, speaking over somebody. So I never really felt like, you know, I have to speak on behalf of, like, all Asian women. Like, I've this is my personal experience. This is like what I feel, but it's not like indicative of like what all Asian women feel. And so let's talk about public policy, you know, that being Mm -hmm. what you studied in college. How has that influenced your creative choices in any way? I definitely plan on returning to it soon. Um, I still have a year of my master's in public administration lab. So I'm thinking of going back to school like I definitely have to go back to school to finish my master's because I already did two years like there's no way I'm not finishing the last year definitely still figuring out like my place in the in the world and like (laughs) with my business I would say the way that like public policy has influenced it is that it has really made me understand like what is necessary in order to create a brand when people think about public policy they think about like laws a lot And what people don't understand about laws is that, like, laws itself are marketed and branded like no other. (laughs) It's completely overlooked. Public policy and 
this is just such a big part of your life. And this creative side of you is also such a big part of your life. And I think that a lot of people struggle with careers because mm -hmm. they think that they have to pick one thing only. Can't have a side hustle or they can't have a business and a day job. So what are your thoughts on that? I've always been the kind of person that really thinks that you could have it all. Mm -hmm. <laughs> you know, life isn't obviously isn't like happy or like balanced all the time. I like I just believe in like abundance and like that if like if you're a good person and putting that into the world that like your life will be good, you know, like you can have it all. So for me, like I personally like I'm trying to find a way to merge those two sides and I've like found I've found that even though like public policy is the field that I'm in and like I like I'm like more of a creative person I found that like in public policy what we really need is creative solutions especially like with the polarization with like Republicans and Democrats right now and like how far they've become on the spectrum <laughs> we're really in need of people who can create solutions that are outside the box there's always a way. Like, if there's a will, there's a way. You just gotta be, like, creative with it and gotta live life until you figure it out because I did not figure that out until very, very late that, like, that's something that I can make a career out of. So what does it mean to you mm -hmm. to be intentional with the work you do? What does that look like? It definitely needs to have a higher purpose. Like, I can't do anything if it's not if I don't feel like it's benefiting other people. Like, it has to be something beyond myself. And we have a lot of problems with the people that our government is meant to serve. Like, we're not serving them in the right way. So I think public policy definitely needs more people that sees, you know, more people that look like me and you. I'm at NYU in New York City, and right. I'm the only, only non-white person, you know? no one here looks like me no one here like understands my experiences so like how are they making the laws that like rule my life i think that's something that i'm gonna try to do encourage more people to study public policy what i really like about everything that you've said is number one your thoughts and feelings as an entrepreneur what in being intentional means I think all of it comes down to where I came from. Everything I do, you know, like now and in my future, it definitely comes down to like how I can really try to impact my own community and also like my cultural community and like how I can use like all the privileges I have to really show that there are things standing in your way, but you can still do it and it's possible. So I think for me, it's the bridge between it all was like, I just want to, like, I just want to be somebody that like, I feel like I needed when I was younger. And then also I just want to do it for other people because we're constantly working and like trying to take advantage of all the opportunities that like our parents weren't given so I think one of the big things especially right now is to like take a step back and really like pat yourself on the back thank you so much Karen you can check out Karen's business by visiting shopwangnyc.com or on Instagram at wangnyc underscore
Thank you again to Karen for being a guest on the show. Our music is courtesy of bensound.com. This has been There's Always a First. I'm Helena Rampersad. Thanks for listening.